0: We believe. Journey with me over the next several Sundays as we reiterate, as we review our core beliefs here at Lakeside Assembly of God. What do we believe? Let me tell you something. You will ultimately live what you believe. Our beliefs form our values, and our values translate into our actions and our attitudes. When you look back on the summation, the conclusion of your life, as you look back on the pathway that your footsteps of your life took, your choices, your actions, your attitudes will be based upon what you believe I am convinced, we as a church are convinced, that what you believe will not only determine the here and now, it will determine the hereafter. So I ask you again, what do you believe? What do you really believe? What do you believe? It's amazing how many that attend church today have lost the foundation of the core beliefs of Christianity. And truth, like beauty, is now in the eyes of the beholder as postmodernism and relativism has gripped the church, especially young adults and young people. For them, truth is what they feel or believe is truth to them. Ultimate, absolute truth does not exist for many today, even in the church. That's why it's important for us to espouse and verbalize and vocalize. Again, what do we believe? What's our starting point in what we believe? What's our starting point? What is it that informs us Tells me what to preach? What is it that tells us how to praise and worship? What is it that tells us how to pray? What is it that tells us how to minister? What is it that informs our discipleship, our fellowship, our evangelism, our worship, uh, uh, our Pentecostalism? Uh, from what do we get our directives? We start our starting point this morning. Our starting point is the Word of God. It's amazing. Our schools today, our universities today that are teaching our young people and our young adults what do they teach? How do they view the Bible? How do they view the Bible? Next slide, the Bible is nothing more than a collection of old myths, legends and fables. It's just another work of literature, and its only value is for children's bedtime stories, end quote." It's no wonder that 80 percent of our young people that go on to secular universities and colleges, 80 percent were losing to never return back to the church again. They're brainwashed, they're indoctrinated by secular humanism, relativism, determinism, naturalism. There is no God. The Bible is just another work of literature. So I come back to you this morning. Lakeside family, what do you really believe? What you believe is what you practice. Talk is cheap. I appreciate your amens this morning, and I need them, because I'm still struggling with my voice. But talk is cheap. Even amens can be cheap. What will you practice on Monday? Will you open the Word of God? It's amazing. We can criticize secular universities. But how many, how many, countless Christians, they're reading their emails, they're reading their texts, their Twitters, uh, their tweets, they're, they're reading their Facebook, but they've never opened the book. They don't know God's Word. They don't know God. They don't read the Bible. Well, that's where we're going this morning. The first message that I share with you on our We Believe series is We Believe. Put the slide up, please. We Believe. Put the slide up, please, for the title. Amen. I'm not following my notes. There we go. No. Go forward, not backward. We Believe in the Power of God's Word. Would you put this? There you go. We believe in the power of God's Word. Pastor, Pastor, is there any hope in a generation, an X rated generation, a generation with a moral meltdown, a generation that has rejected the Bible and made the Bible the most banned book? in America today. Don't you know you can bring the Koran to school, but look out if a student or a teacher brings the Holy Bible, the Word of God to school. Well I come to you with good news this morning. 2nd Timothy chapter 3, turn to that on the slide please. All Scripture is God breathed and is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work now note look at the prophetic fulfillment for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine or sound teaching instead to suit their own desires they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. As we look at the power of believing in God's Word this morning, I want you to pray with me right now that the Holy Spirit will come and do a brand new work within us. Father, we ask send your Holy Spirit even now to wake us up and to give us a new reverential awe. For your word, the holy word of God. God, help us not to treat it just like another self-help book. Not just another nice work of literature. But Lord, let us approach it, Lord, with an incredible, uh, authentic, uh, holy awe that God is speaking to us. And Lord, I pray, anoint this word so that we'll not only receive the printed word, but we'll receive your word in preaching this morning as your spoken word into our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. We believe in the power of God's word. This morning, God's word. Will you believe it? Will you believe it? Well, preacher, I'm one of those. I have an analytical mind. I'm an engineer, or I'm going to university right now, and I'm one of those that I'll believe it if I see it. Listen to me. I do not believe that faith comes without reason. I do not subscribe to the notion that you have to check in your brains when you walk through the front door of this church. I want to give you some valid, objective reasons, proofs, for knowing that this book is unlike any other book, that it's the Word of God. Objective reasons. Reason number one, archaeology has always, always verified the historicity of the Bible. Archaeology cannot prove that Jesus is your Savior, but when the Bible touches upon history, I want you to know that archaeology has always confirmed and never denied the veracity of the historical studies and narrative accounts within the Bible. Proof number two, the Bible reveals advanced scientific and healthcare knowledge more than 3,000 years before their discovery. Do you know that more than 3,500 years ago, the Bible revealed that the earth is round at a time when the ancients believed the earth was round? Flat? Do you realize that more than 3,500 years ago, the Bible reveals that the earth is suspended upon nothing? When the ancients believed that it was suspended upon the back of a turtle, which was on top of elephants? Do you realize that... The fact that the earth is a sphere and hangs upon nothing was not verified until our generation and astronaut John Glenn circled and orbited our planet for the first time, an eyewitness verified it was a sphere, not flat, suspended upon nothing. Do you realize that in the Mosaic Law, which is dated more than 3,500 years ago, that God included a number of regulations having to do with health care, preventative measures against infection, germs and bacteria? The whole book of Leviticus is practically dealing with that. And germs and bacteria were not discovered by scientists, until about 125, 150 years ago the Bible knew all about God knew that more than three thousand years ago how do you explain it but God reason number three that I would give you the incredible mathematical precision of the Bible is proof of its divine origin the Bible is written in two ancient languages originally Hebrew and Greek these are alpha numeric languages each letter of the alphabet in Hebrew and Greek can be transposed and equated to a number all the letters of the bible can be transposed into numbers the bible is a mathematical puzzle god has created a fail safe system in the bible if you add to the bible you break down the mathematical puzzle or the house of cards of the Bible. If you detract from the Bible, you do the same. It all breaks down like a house of cards. The Bible with its mathematical accuracy and precision is poetry to a computer. For instance, the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning God created a heaven and an earth. When you transpose those Hebrew words into numbers, you'll find out that mathematically there are more than 30 multiples of the perfect number seven in the heart of the first verse of the Bible. No human mind can contrive that. It cannot be done in English. It can't be done by a computer. You can only explain it with one answer: God. God, and that's—I'm just—I can spend a whole year, as many of my class students are aware, on just teaching on the mathematical accuracy of the Bible. Another reason and proof for the Bible is the prophetic fulfillment. Prophetic fulfillment. Read the book of Daniel, all the prophecies given more than a thousand years ago in the book of Daniel. Really, uh, more than 2,000 years ago in the book of Daniel. His prophecies are now our history, literally fulfilled. Or for instance, are there any prophecies of the coming of Muhammad in the Koran? How many prophecies of the coming of Muhammad are found in the Quran? Zero. Zilch. Nada. You won't find any. How many prophecies of the first coming of Jesus are found in the Old Testament? There's over 300. Some given 500 years before his birth, some 1,000 years before his birth. Of those 300, there's 48 that are low to his specificity and detail. There's 17 that are extremely detailed that Jesus would be born a Jew of the tribe of Judah in the town of Bethlehem. He would ride a donkey into Jerusalem that he'd be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, crucified between two thieves, buried in a rich man's tomb. What are the mathematical odds of one person by sheer coincidence fulfilling just 17 prophecies? It's 480 with 30 zeros behind it. A number that is so large, huge, and astronomical. It is beyond our comprehension to wrap our minds even around that number. Another proof I like pointing to, I was witnessing on the plane to someone on the way back from California, and I used this one. The Bible's unity and continuity is another objective proof for its divine authorship. What are you talking about, Pastor? The next time you deal with an atheist who wants to disprove the validity of God's Word, challenge them with this. You go to any library, go to any library in the world. I'm supposed to keep my voice down. Go to any library in the world. And I dare you, I challenge you to find a book with 66 books in it, with 40 plus authors, written over a 1600 year time span, written on three different continents, different moods, different occasions, different backgrounds, different occupations. Some were kings, some were peasants, some were poets, some were shepherds, some were priests. Three different languages, three different continents. And yet... All 40 plus writers of 66 books all agree on the same doctrinal standard, the same plan of salvation, the same way to God, the same hope of heaven. They deal with every moral subject under the sun without any contradiction whatsoever. How do you explain that? Can you find a book like that in any library? The atheist would say, that's impossible. Impossible is what we call the holy word of God, written by man but authored by God, the Holy Spirit. There's no book like this book. There's no word like this word. The unity and the continuity, proof for divine authorship, There's the proof of the Bible's impact and transforming power. I love the story of when the Soviet Union was in power. The Bible was illegal in the former Soviet Union and a communist official was asked, why is the Bible illegal in the Soviet Union? He responded by saying this. Oh, I love this. This book changes people in a way that is dangerous to our state and our power you show me a christian hallelujah that is changed by the word of god and they are a christian that's dangerous to the forces of hell hallelujah You show me a Bible-believing, blood-washed, born-again, soldier of the cross, and I'll show you old Sloughfoot trembling in their very shadow. You show me a Bible that's falling apart, and I'll show you a Christian, hallelujah, that is whole and all together and walking with God. Amen. The Bible's been read more by more people, been published in more languages, More copies have been produced of the Bible in all human history. Even Harry Potter can't state that. Recently, the Associated Press evaluated over 4,000 self help books. Which book out of the 4,000 books was voted number one for wholeness, happiness, and a joyful life? You got it. God's Word, the Bible. Every year the Bible is read by over a billion people and continues to be (laughs) the number one top-selling book on the planet. How do you explain the Bible's impact? God. God. My last service in Solid Rock Cafe that I just came from, I talked about Gino Ventimiglia. Gino Ventimiglia, many of you men know him. Many of you Lakeside family members are aware of Gino and Terry. Gino was never witnessed to by a Christian. Gino never found Christ through a Billy Graham crusade or watching Christian TV or listening to a Christian radio broadcast. Gino loved his cousin so much that as she was dying of cancer, in that dark, discouraging, depressing hour, they both sought answers. And they said, why don't we read this Gideon's Bible that's been left in this hospital room. We wonder if there's any answers in here. They not only began reading the Bible, they devoured the Bible. They read it from cover to cover every day. They were both born again through the witness of God's Word. So born again that his cousin said, I don't want a black hearst at my funeral. I want a white Lincoln to celebrate the fact that I no longer walk by faith, but I walk face to face with the lover of my soul, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. How do you explain it? How do you explain it? Write it down. The Bible is God breathed. Every word is bathed and drenched and saturated by the Spirit of God. I remember I was at the Woggy House at Christmas time, at their Christmas party. There's no Christmas party, like the Choir Worship and Creative Arts Christmas party. Don and Tim they do it up right. But I was feeling, Christmas time is a tough time for us preachers, and I was just feeling so drowsy. And I asked my wife to get me a cup of coffee. And uh, I drank the whole cup, and I wasn't feeling that. Now, I know some of you are going to condemn me after the service. I wasn't feeling that caffeine kick. And I don't know about you, uh, I, I, I need coffee that's uh, not unleaded but regular and I said "Uh, what's the problem with this coffee honey she says well it's decaf decaf I want the real thing how many of you enjoy the real thing in coffee amen amen and I that's the way I feel about my gospel too Don't give me. Don't preach to me. Don't teach to me. Don't speak to me a caffeine-free gospel, a feel-good gospel. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. And everybody's going to heaven. A gospel. uh, I'm talking about a gospel that's diluted of its anointing, convicting power. A caffeine gospel that won't stir you up. It won't wake you up. It won't keep you up. Or when the trumpet is blown on one day, it won't send you up. Vince Lombardi, that great coach, was mad. He was frustrated with his team. It was halftime, and they were losing. And he came into the locker room to those boys, and he picked up the pigskin, and he said, boys, we're getting back to the basics. Boys, this is a football. And I'll have to admit to you, Sometimes as a pastor, I get a little frustrated. I get a little holy indignation. Lakeside, this is a Bible. This is the holy, inspired, inerrant, immutable, indestructible, infallible, authoritative Word of God. Stop treating it just like another nice book. When you open this book, uh, when you read this Word, uh, you're reading a Word that is bathed and saturated by the very Holy Spirit of God. It's a transforming, life-giving, victorious Word. It'll change you and rearrange you for God's glory. There's no Word like this Word. I said there's no Word like this Word. And we here at Lakeside Assembly of God, we believe in this Word. I'll ask you my famous quiz question. True or false, the Bible contains the Word of God? Notice the division of the house. That's why pastor has to preach these sermons. It is false. The Bible does not contain God's Word. The Bible is God's Word. There's too many preachers and teachers preaching out there that, oh, 50% of it is God's Word. 50% 50 per, or 25% uh, you can believe. I want you to know that Lakeside Assembly, the church you're in right now, we believe it cover to cover. It's all God's Word. Not a slice, not a dice. We believe in the whole loaf. Can I hear an amen? God's Word, believe it. God's Word, receive it. When you receive uh, and believe God's Word into your life, you receive a living Word with Power to transform your life. What's the longest chapter in the Bible? What's the longest chapter in the Bible? Somebody raise their hand so I can call upon you. Eugenia. Psalms 119 is the correct answer. She gets the gold star this morning. She is the teacher's pet this morning. There she goes. Way to go, Eugenia. Amen. Psalms 119 has 176 verses. 173 out of 176 verses all give glory to God's Word. For instance, verse 1, blessed are they who walk according to the word of the Lord. Verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 28, strengthen me according to your word. Verse 43, may I never forget your words for they are my only hope. Verse 65, do good to your servant according to your word, O Lord. Psalms 105 Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. See what's promised to those who live according to God's word blessing, purity, strength, hope, success, guidance. Real life, real life, real life. Trust God's word. Look out when you trust the arm of man, the ingenuity. The expertise of man. Many of you know my parents, my parents have decided to come back. Come back to God's country. And just this week, they accepted an offer on their home in Florida. And uh, uh, they have purchased a condominium up in Imlay City. Yes, they have chosen the younger brother over the eldest So I figured, okay, he can be the one doing chores around the house up there, since they chose him. Well, my mom just gave me a call and asked me to do a number of chores around there. I said, well, yeah, you chose Jeff, but his back Phil, His back, five years younger than me. His back. So your pastor spent a whole Saturday, yeah, up there, and then they needed appliances and as my staff has heard the story, uh, I went out shopping appliances for them. Now when I shop, uh, I don't just shop. I do a spreadsheet, a cost comparison spreadsheet that I developed with every appliance store in the area. And uh, uh, no, we didn't go online because Dad wants to kick the tires and drive it around the block. And so uh, I've got them a great deal, ABC Warehouse, uh, all their appliances, kitchen, laundry room, uh, best deal ever. Kitchen aid, I mean, good stuff. Sister calls from Florida Mom, you need Kenmore. Now be careful, I won't say where they bought it from. (laughs) I figured (laughs) that's why I'm safe. (laughs) First delivery, refrigerators dented. Second delivery, dented. Third delivery, dented. Fourth delivery, dented. Fifth delivery, dented. I was there for the sixth delivery of the refrigerator. I ran out to the truck. I ripped the cardboard off before the guys took it off the truck. I want to see it because I want to believe it. And uh, sure enough, perfection. I said, bring it on in. They walked it on in. They tried to maneuver it into the cavity for their fridge by the island with the granite countertop. It caught the corner of the countertop, dented across the whole front. I'm screaming, stop. Seventh delivery, the number seven in the Bible is the perfect number, the number of perfection. My dad called me, it's perfect. It's the number of perfection. I said, this is ludicrous, dad. I even went down to the store and I said, I'm the pastor of that church right by you. Now you need to do some type of goodwill gesture for my parents. So, seventh delivery. Dad's is perfect. I went over. Perfect. Dad just called me yesterday crying. He had a carpenter working on the molding. The carpenter used to be an appliance salesman. He looked underneath the fridge with its carriage, its wheels, so you can wheel it in and out and not scratch their wood floor. The carriage is all torn apart. He says, if you wheel, try to, you'll scratch your floor. My mom was just in tears. So dad's coming tomorrow and we're going over to where they bought the Kenmore stuff and paid $2,000 more than what pastor had found for them. What I've learned, the principle behind all of this, you can't trust stores, you can't trust brand names, you can't trust the arm of man or the mind of man, but you can trust the Word of God. Believe it, uh, receive it, trust it and obey it, uh, for there's no other way to be happy but to trust and obey the Lord. Amen. God's Word is absolute truth in the face of false philosophies teachings and counterfeits young adults especially I pray that you'd incline your ear right now I don't know how many evolutionists are here this morning if you want to believe that you came from a mud puddle that became an amoeba that became a frog that became a squirrel and you are your monkey's uncle go ahead but I'm going to believe what the Bible says in the beginning God created let us make man in our image we're special we're created in the image of God the humanists say everyone is basically good we are all gods Uh, we are our own salvation the Bible says uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God existentialists say uh, life has no meaning life has no purpose Uh, the Bible says let everything that hath breath praise the Lord Uh, atheists say there is no God the Bible says uh, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The materialists say, the one who dies with the most toys wins. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? The hedonists say, if it feels good... Do it. The Bible says flee sexual immorality. The Mormons say the Book of Mormon is Bible Part 2. The Bible's answer to that is if any man shall add unto this book, God shall add to him the plagues described here. Uh, The reincarnationists, the reincarnationists say, oh, there's no death. There's just change. You might come back as a dandelion. You might come back uh, as a dog. You might come back as a donkey. But the Bible says for once it's appointed unto man to die. And then the judgment. The New Agers say, oh man, I've come from the land of the New Agers. The fruits, flakes, and the nuts. Oh, it's good to be home. The New Agers say that all pathways, all religions lead to God. But Jesus said this, uh, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Listen, can I say this this morning? Can I say this this morning? I don't want to offend anyone. If I had a hotline right now to the White House... If I had a hotline to the Oval Office, I'd say, Mr. President, stop listening to the press. Stop listening to your White House uh, advisors and your White House staffers. You're going to fire them anyway. Stop twittering. Stop tweeting. Open the book. Uh, Read the book. Uh, Obey the book. Uh, For righteousness exalts a nation. When you believe and receive God's Word, you find a powerful antidote for life's oldest enemy. Fear. Fear. There's no other topic, issue, or problem that the Bible addresses more than fear. Fear can't change your past, but it can poison your present and all of your tomorrows. Fear can rob your body of rest at night and fill your face with wrinkles so you look like a donkey eating green tomatoes. Fear has sent millions of Christians to the cemetery long before their appointed time. Fear is mentioned more than 600 times in the Bible. It is no small problem or subject. The Bible calls fear a spirit. Paul said to Timothy, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. What has the spirit of fear said to you this morning? What spirit of fear is haunting you, if you were honest with us this morning? Are you haunted by a fear of failure? That you're, that you're going to end up being a loser? I want to remind you that God doesn't manufacture junk. God doesn't sponsor flops. My Bible and your Bible says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. Are you haunted by a fear of loneliness? Abandonment? Desertion? I want to remind you that God's Word declares nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Friends might leave you. Family might desert you. Even the one who promised you a forever love might divorce you. But there is one who has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. Are you haunted by a fear of poverty? Unpaid bills? The Bible says "And my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I want to remind you church, the big three here in Detroit, they are not your source. Wall Street may go bust. Uh, The White House uh, might not make great decisions. Congress might not agree upon anything. Your money might not be worth the paper it's printed on. But God's kingdom will never go broke. It will never go bust. (laughs) Are you haunted by the fear of the unknown? The fear of uncertainty? I want to remind you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and... Forever. That means he's already in all of your tomorrows. He's already in tomorrow. Don't worry about it. He's on the throne, and everything's going to be all right. Stop reading your horoscope. Put down your Ouija board. Disconnect your psychic hotline. Start reading God's Word. Start trusting God's Word. We don't know about tomorrow, but we know the One who holds tomorrow in His hands. Hallelujah. Maybe you're haunted by your past. Forget about it. God already has. It's under the blood. He has removed your sins as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says. That's infinity. Philippians chapter 3, the Bible says, This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I remind you, God never consults your past to determine your future. And God's word, haha, <laughs> it reveals the antidote for fear and its close cousin. What's the close cousin of fear? Worry. The Bible says in Philippians, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about your health. Dr. Jesus is still in the healing business. Don't worry about your children's future. The Bible says, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. Don't worry about your feelings of insecurity, because the Bible says, He who is within you is greater than he who is in the world. Why be fearful? Why Why be worried, Isaiah 43 verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Why worry? Why worry? And even if you're haunted by life's greatest fear, death. Turn your eyes on the one who's conquered death. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've discovered that only those who are prepared to die are those who are really prepared to live. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because it's a win-win situation. Paul said in Philippians 1, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For the Bible believer, for the Bible Christian, it's a win-win proposition. To live is Christ, and to die it's even better. It's Jesus. It's gain. We're called to believe God's word. We're called to receive God's word. And we're also called to release it. You see, it's not enough to believe and receive the power of God's word. We're called to release it. Are you releasing the power of God's word on a daily basis? God's Word is more than just the printed page. God's Word is more, far more, far more than the written Word. The written Word in the Greek, in the original language, is logos. Logos. Even the world is familiar with the Greek word logos. It is the written or the printed Word. God's Word is far more than logos. God's word (laughs) is released in authoritative, victorious power when it moves from Logos to Rhema. Rhema is a spoken word. (laughs) It is a confessed word. It is a word that is declared to the forces of hell itself. It is using an anointed, appointed, authoritative word of God Spoken over a death dealing, doubt destroying situation. Words. Words. What kind of words do you speak on a daily basis if we were to analyze and examine them? Words have power in the spiritual dimension. I am more convinced of this after decades of ministry than ever before. By words, God created all that there is. He spoke and everything came into existence. He said, let there be light. And there was light. Jesus spoke in the midst of the storm. He spoke to the storm. Peace. Be still. Proverbs declares this about our words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus picked up on this principle. In Matthew, Jesus says, By thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. What words do you speak on a daily basis? What are you confessing? Are you confessing doubt dealing death destroying cancerous words of hell complaining doubting discouraging depressing cutting down demeaning degrading words or are you speaking life-giving restorative joy unspeakable in the name of Jesus words Despite the trial that you're going through, despite the battles, the storms that are raging in your life, all you need is God's word released. A rhema word spoken into you or a rhema word spoken out of you for the glory of God. You need to understand as we close up in teaching this morning, there are two kinds of rhema words in the Bible. There are scapel rhema words and there are sword rhema words. Scapel. When a doctor, when a surgeon uses a scalpel upon you, that's a knife. Is he wanting to hurt you? Is he wanting to injure you? His motivation is to, in that surgery, to bring restorative, healing, wholeness to your person. The scalpel, the knife, is used for healing. So is a scalpel Rama, word. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Now notice this. Cutting between soul and spirit. Between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I have had psychology and counseling up to the doctorate level. When I counsel you, I can address your intellect. I can speak to your mind. I can move into advanced area level empathy and address your feelings, your emotions. I can deal with the cognitive. I can address the affective. But when in the name of Jesus, I speak to you, they who keep their minds upon the Lord, he shall keep in perfect peace. When I quote the word of God, when I give you a rhema word, when I declare to you this battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. Uh, I'm speaking not to your mind. I'm speaking not to your affective emotions. I'm addressing spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit. A rhema word, a healing word, a scalpel rhema word is spirit to spirit, it's restorative. When you open the book on a daily basis, when you devour God's word, your hidden motive, your your, your thirst and your hunger should be this. God, give me a word. Today, give me a word. Speak to me through your word. He will be faithful in doing that. If you'll expect it, it's all about expectation. But first of all, you got to open the book. Don't open the book like some do and go, ah, ah, ah. Judas hung himself. (laughs) Oh God, I, I need a better word than that. Go thou and do likewise. Oh God. <laughs> Whatsoever thou do, doest quickly. No. Now, some that they might do that. I hope that you're on and organized. Book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, I have found that God is faithful. I'm in the ministry, pastoral ministry today because of Ezekiel chapter 3. I didn't want to be a pastor. I hated pastoring. I watched what those people did to my dad, talking behind his back. I remember the day a deacon came up with his fist right under my dad's chin. I don't want to be a pastor. I went to a missions convention in Bible college. I came back to my room and I felt God was calling me to be a missionary. Where people would devour God's word. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord directing me to just do my Bible reading for the day. I came to Ezekiel chapter 3. That was the next chapter I was supposed to be in. Check me out with this. There in Ezekiel chapter 3, God says to Ezekiel, and God spoke to me all of a sudden. It was like the verse came on fire. I have not called thee to a faraway place, or a faraway people that know not your language. I have called you to your own people, a stiff-necked, hard-nosed people. But I shall make your face like flint, and you shall speak my word with holy boldness unto my glory." Wow! I knew God was calling me. I'm preaching today. Because God spoke to me that night through a rhema word in Ezekiel chapter 3. And He'll do it for you as well. But more than the scapel rhema word, there's the sword's rhema word. The sword or spiritual warfare rhema word is referred to in Ephesians 6.17. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the rhema word that Jesus utilized when he was attacked by old Slewfoot in the wilderness, when he was attacked by the devil, when the devil attacked Jesus, when Jesus was at his weakest point. Can you imagine what you'd be like after 40 days of not eating food? And the devil attacked him. And what did Jesus do? Did he boast? Of His divine credentials as the Son of God? No. He wanted to be an example for what you can do. Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written, Thou shalt not tempt or test the Lord thy God. It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shall you worship. And the Bible then says, And the devil fled. Because of the Word. What are you going to do when you're attacked by the forces of hell itself? When you're attacked in your health, what are you going to do? You're going to wield the sword of the Spirit, uh, uh, give the old sleuth with the rhema Word in prayer or in praise. You are going to declare enemy, the blood of Jesus is against you. By His stripes, I am healed. Uh, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Uh, When he attacks your finances, what are you going to do? Devil, I will not be discouraged. I will not be deceived by you into a a well of depression. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. For my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. Through Christ Jesus, my Lord. And when you feel like you're surrounded by a posse of demons itself, take your stand upon God's holy word, and in God's confidence, declare, uh, if God before me, who can be against me? This battle is not mine, it is the Lord's. Satan, greater is he that's within me than he that's within this world. I'm a born-again Bible-believing, blood-washed soldier of the cross. Get out of here! Lift up the sword of the Spirit. Speak His Word. His Word is life. His Word is joy. His Word is victory. Believe it. Receive it. And then release it. My favorite story of God's Word, the power of His Word, was a Christian wife whose husband would never come to church you know anybody like that? Have you been there? He wasn't any ordinary husband. He was a cantankerous, foul-mouthed, profane, blasphemous, heretical, atheist husband. And a drunkard to boot. Not knowing what to do, she went to her ladies' prayer meeting. We've got a number of prayer meetings that you need to go to here at Lakeside. Every week! Every week! Just for you. She said, what should I do? They said, you need to buy him a Bible for his birthday. She said, what? She got a Bible. All the ladies laid hands upon it. Prayed over it. Anointed it with oil. On his birthday, in the family room, she presented that prayed over Bible to him. He looked at it and said, Are you crazy? And used some things I can't repeat. Picked up that Bible, the Bible gift, and hurled it into the fireplace, into the roaring flames. The Flames devoured it instantly. She screamed and ran into the bedroom, crying out to God. He picked up his Jack Daniels and drank himself into a sleeping stupor. Hours later, when he woke up, with blurred eyes, he saw the fire had died down, burnt all the Bible, except for one little piece. And he was curious. What did that one little piece say? He picked it up and read it. The words of Jesus, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And the Holy Spirit of God hit him from the top of his head down to the tippies of his toes. (laughs) And he fell down and cried out to God, I repent and became born again and a member of that church. God is no respecter of persons. What He's done for others, He can do for you. Bow your heads with me, Father. Father, we ask, come, 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 sweet Holy Spirit, even right now, and knock upon the doors of hearts here this morning. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You've walked into this place, and perhaps you've never been in a church like this before. Perhaps you've never heard a sermon. But what I have given to you is more true than the certainty of the sun rising tomorrow or even being eclipsed. It is truth that there's a heaven to gain. It is truth that there's a hell to shun. It is truth that Jesus is the only Savior. He paid the price for your sins upon the cross. You can't add to that. He's done it all. All you have to do is believe in Him. Accept Him into your life. And obey His Word. I'm prepared to pray a prayer. And if you would like to be included in this prayer, it's a prayer that will make heaven your home and Jesus your savior. It's a prayer that will make you right with God and give you a hope for today and tomorrow. If you'd like to be included in this prayer, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. This is between you and God. Exercise your faith by lifting up your hand. If you'd like to be included in this prayer, I will not embarrass you. This is not about joining this church. This is all about Jesus. Lift up your hand right now if you want to be included in in this prayer. Thank you. 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 How many more this morning? (laughs) heaven is real hell is real and eternity is just a breath away how many more this morning yes god bless you i see that hand you're saying i want to be included yes i see that hand god bless you Keep those hands lifted up as we pray this prayer right now. It's a sign of your faith between you and God. Everyone pray this prayer with me, especially you that have your hands lifted up. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now, and I confess I am a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior, my only hope. I believe you paid the price for my sins at the cross I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life new life I want that life Jesus I want Jesus to be Jesus in me thank you Lord for hearing me for changing me for making me brand new I thank you Jesus that I am saved In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen and amen.